Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In a dark corridor outside of a Detroit skating rink, a man stood in the shadows waiting for his chance. The news camera turned off, and what happened next is known as the whack heard round the world. Stay tuned to hear all about that on The Reluctant Historian. Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. We would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So, Dakota, what is your golden nugget? I'm going to go for a board game thing again this week. Last night we got uh, got the expansion for our game Villainous, which we've been playing. Yes. I can't remember if we've talked about this no. on, the box at all, on the podcast at all. But it's a, a board game, card game, where you play as one of the Disney villains. So last night I played as uh, Pete. who yeah. um, Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete, who uh, is like, I guess, a Mar... Uh, Mar- not Mario. Um <laughs> Mickey Mouse, yes, villain, and but it was a super old black and white one. Yeah, now he's more related to Goofy, right? You know, I mean, they have Goofy, Goofy and Pluto. Yeah, as... but but like, I think he he's more prominent in like Goof Troop, yeah. now because yeah. he's like he's his neighbor and he's not so much a villain; he's just kind of an asshole, I think. <laughs> so that's fair. Uh, yeah. So and then you played as uh, Cruella Deville, who is along with Maleficent. My favorite villain, which is like weird because I would never in a million years make a coat out of puppies. Bubby. Bubby. But I love Cruella de Vil for whatever reason. And Maleficent. Yeah, well, you're crazy just like both of them. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's just a super good game and we're working on getting all the expansions. There's only four plus there's a Marvel one. So you know that I'm going to obviously be all about that. But, uh, yeah, check, uh, there's, uh, this week's Dakota's recommendation. We still <laughs> didn't get a better name for that, so I apologize. Are you giving one every week now? No, I just, uh, this just happened to be something that I, I mean, I could. <laughs> if people like. A board game podcast? Yeah. Podcast? A board, <laughs> we've become a, we are now a board game porncast. No, not a porncast. <laughs> also, like, what would that be? Like, you play board games in the nude? Um, I think you, you, uh, do naughty, naughty things on top of board games. Ew! I don't even know. That sounds painful. You get like a, <laughs> you like get a, a thing up your butt, like a little. And, and, <laughs> and then one of us has to apologize because, uh, uh, one of the pieces go up. We go, sorry. Looks like you're getting into <laughs> trouble. Can you imagine? Do you remember the Please old, don't sue us. do you remember the old commercial for trouble when the kids were playing? The trouble and then uh, they're they're having so much zany fun and then the mom comes in and she's like looks like you are, guys are getting into trouble and they're like and she's naked no no 
<laughs> but in in our version, yes, and then child services comes. That would be the right response to that. <laughs> What's your golden nugget? Um, my golden nugget. You know what? I don't really think I have a golden nugget. This week was hard for me. I had a really hard week. Yeah, you got a lump of coal then? I had a lump of coal this week. I was back to work, and I really don't love being an online teacher, but Mm -hmm. that is where I'm at, and I have to stay there for hopefully Until you get redeployed. Yeah, until, quote-unquote, yes, until I get redeployed. So, um, yeah, I've just been kind of down all week. It's been a lumpy coaly week. Yeah, I hate when I have lumpy coal in my pants. What? That's not what I said. Well, that's what you implied. Uh, yeah, that's, that sucks, but, you know, uh, hopefully in the coming, coming months or in September or whatever, you get redeployed, just like an army person. I am an army man. And, uh, yeah, I hopefully get to be in front of students again, because that's your true passion. That is my so, true passion. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure, I don't know how I want to, like, do the, the organization. So listeners, if you have a, a suggestion, you can let us know, but I want to know, so after I, we do our land acknowledgement, I went right into the golden nugget. But last week, I made Dakota guess what he thought the episode was mm. about. So I don't know which one works better. So I'm trying it this way this okay, week. Okay, well, I like guessing what it's about, personally. Oh, you're going to. I just don't know oh, if it should go okay. before or after the golden nugget. Okay. Well, yeah. you know what? It should probably go, here's just, we're going to do some behind the Yeah, we didn't talk stuff. about this. No. Besides think... the scenes action, you can follow <laughs> yeah. us on. <laughs> I think it should be before the golden nugget. Because then I can fully remember, like, That's be in the point. moment of what you were talking That's about. That's a really good so, point. So, don't write in, listeners. We figured it out. <laughs> or do whatever you want. We'd like to hear from no. you. No. Uh, so, Coda, any guesses about today's topic? So, it was the whack heard around the world. Yes. Okay. It, um, he, Quote, unquote. This, this dude was looking for his chance. He had a chance. He, this is his greatest chance. Yep. So, uh, it's one of two things. Either... He's a mobster, and he's going to get someone killed. Mm-hmm. The whack heard around the world. And, and he's really bad at it, so he gets caught really easily. So, Or it was, like, really loud. He didn't put a silencer on his gun, you know. Or he used it heard around the world, so he used um, a tank, so it was much louder. Or masturbation. What? The whack heard around the world. So bad. He, Stop he, it, you bad person. He, he masturbates at the Olympic Games. He is the torch carrier. <laughs> And Where did you like, get the Olympic Games from? What? Where did you get the Olympic Games from? Heard around the world. Everyone ah. would, everyone in the world would hear about that, right? Got it. Um, so he's like running with the torch and he's like, this is my chance. I can do it. And then he pulls down his pants and the rest is history. Bigger, badder, terrible lurer. This is our podcast now. Yes. Um, well, actually, today's episode was inspired by a movie I watched over the break called I, Tanya. Oh, Yes, uh, I watched uh, most of it before I had to go to work, and it yeah. was really good. Yeah, so Tanya Harding. We're going to learn about Tanya Harding oh, today. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was super intrigued about some of the things that the movie showed, and I wanted to know how accurate the movie actually was. So I decided I would have to do an episode on Tanya Harding and the incident. The incident. Yes. So Tanya Harding is infamous for being implicated in an attack on fellow figure skater Nancy Kerrigan at the 1994 Winter Olympic Trials. The attack is what she is most known oh, for. So it kind of was, though. Yeah, I know. That's why I was like, why are you oh, saying the Olympics? That's, that's funny. Yeah. The attack is what she is most known for, but who is Tanya Harding, really? So it's kind of right. Sure. <laughs> Tanya Harding was born in Portland, Oregon, and was raised predominantly by her mother, Lavana Golden. Tanya began skating at three and was enrolled in ice skating lessons when she was just four years old. 
She began training with her coach, Diane Rawlinson. During her youth, Tanya did more than just skate. She hunted, drag raced, and learned how to fix cars from her father. She's, she sounds like a badass. She does, yeah. She actually is really cool. Yeah, I like that we're doing this because I can actually picture it because I've seen the movie. So I'm like, it's cool to know what is what actually happened and what didn't. Yeah. The family was not the typical well-off privileged types that were typical of figure skating. Her father worked many odd jobs but was often underemployed due to poor health. Her mother, Lavana, struggled to support the family while working as a waitress. She often had to hand sew her daughter's skating costumes in order to save money. So I wanted to do a little look at what parts of the film were true and which were made up to sell a story, but I don't want to give any spoilers, so I'm not going to go into that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so however, the film does show this event uh, that um, her making the, being poor and making the, skid, the skating costumes, that is shown in the mm-hmm. movie. And so if you want to find out if any other facts in the movie are true, then I guess you'll just have to watch it. Yeah, it's and I actually uh, really enjoyed what I saw. It wasn't... When you turn it on, I was like, ah, oh, skating movie? I'm not really into that. I mean, I dabbled in figure skating when I was younger and then tried power skating. And then they tried to get me to jump over a, uh, uh, a hockey stick. And I was like, jump. You can't do that on skates. <laughs> and <laughs> so, then you like quit right then and there? Pretty much. I think I went home and cried. Mm. It was power skating was for the, for the hockey players. And I, I had just come out of figure skating where I, like, I started much too late mm. than I should have. So I was, like, four feet taller. <laughs> four feet. That seems like too much. Yeah, I was like, so you were six feet tall. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was, like, two or three feet taller than all the other people in my class. Quickly, I got bumped up to the people my age. But, but they you weren't ne- good enough. They needed to see my skills. Right. So apparently, I'm better than a uh, six-year-old. So good for you. Thank you. Wow. You could have been a famous figure skater. <sighs> now you just created a multiverse spin-off where I am. <laughs> That's what you just did. You're welcome. Yeah. Harding's parents divorced when she was 16, following which she dropped out of high school in order to devote herself to her sport. Tanya claimed that she was frequently abused by her mother and stated that by the time she was seven years old, physical and psychological abuse had become a regular part of her life. The movie covers this extensively. However, Lavana has admitted to only one instance of hitting Tanya at an ice rink, uh, but she says that is it. Quote, I didn't abuse any of my children. Spanked? Yes, I spanked. Absolutely, positively. You've got to show them right from wrong. <laughs> and that's how you do it. Beat the shit out of them. No, just spanking them. <laughs> Which, you know. <laughs> I was spanked. Yeah. And... Well, who turned out better out of both of us? Clearly me. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya's childhood friend also attests to Lavana's innocence, saying that Lavana could be egregious towards her daughter, but she also funded and appreciated Tanya's skating lessons, and that Lavana had a huge amount of humanity. The question of abuse has been a point of contention for much of Tanya's life in the public eye, with Tanya stating, I don't think there was more than one day a week sometimes that I didn't get beaten while Lavana claims that her daughter has a history of being dishonest, that Tanya has lied so much that she doesn't know what is a lie anymore. The issue is covered extensively in the film. Hmm. Harding trained as a figure skater throughout her youth with coach Diane Rawlinson to some success, placing in ranges from 6th to 3rd in a number of different skating championships. She then began training with Dodie Teachman as her coach and went on to win the October 1989 Skate America competition. 
Her breakthrough year happened, however, in 1991, when at the U.S. Championships, she completed her first triple axel in competition, becoming the first American woman to execute the jump. Wait, had there been another woman that had done it before? A Japanese woman, yeah. Oh, I see. They Uh, always beat us to it. We're not American! What are you trying to say? Are you trying to take my America from me? You are a Canadian. Um, I'm... Are you trying to assume my my uh, nationality? Nationality, <laughs> that's the word. She did this all while skating to Batman's theme song. That's so cool. <laughs> I thought you would like that a little that's, bit. That wasn't in the movie, was it? Um, I, I don't, don't remember. remember. I don't remember that. I, I mean, they would have used the. It, the it was same... like a funky song or something. It, like it was like a no. It was a rock song. I thought. Yeah, it was Batman's theme song. They, I, we'll have to go back and listen to it. Na 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 na. Not that song. Which like one? the song from the Michael Keaton film. Oh, okay, okay, that makes more sense. I was like, <laughs> just picturing it go na 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 na, Batman. Yeah, no, not that song. Yeah, you know, uh, it's kind of crazy that she went on to be so passionate about skating and that. Like, it's really cool to see because, like, the way she was supposedly raised, according to her, and the shit we'll get into that she's dealt with, it could have, many people would have gone the other way and just turned to, like, you know, doing drugs and... That's a good point. Ending up, like, you know, homeless or some shit, you know? But she, like, really devoted herself to skating. So, yeah. like, that's props to her. Yeah. She won the 1991 ladies' title with the event's first technical 6.0. And I think that is the highest score that you can get, but I don't know. (laughs) So, some information about the triple axel. Did you want to make a joke there? No, I was just like, it's your job to do the research. So, (laughs) like, (laughs) yeah, it's it's 6.0, but I don't know if that's the top. I think it is. Do your job. Like, you know, just just do your job. You do your job. I am. I'm nailing it right now. I do remember that masturbation joke I told earlier. Nailed it. Unfortunately, I do. (laughs) So some information about the triple axel. So like I said, this is one of the, it is the hardest jump to do in figure skating. As of 2021, only 19 women have ever successfully completed the triple axel in competition. Oh, wow. With the first happening in 1988 by Midori Ito of Japan. Mm -hmm. So a regular axel jump. So the triple axel is three times an axel. Uh, named for figure skater Axel Paulson, which is a cool name. Th- that is. And all I got is Dakota. Yeah. Uh, is a forward edge jump where the skater lands backwards on the opposite foot. Then there are two things that make the triple axel especially difficult, which has been studied by physics people looking at the biomechanics of figure skating jumps. One, skaters need to generate enough vertical velocity to create the time in the air needed to complete the rotations required by the jump. Since the skater must jump facing forward, but land going backward, an extra half rotation is added to every axle jump. So you got to be able to go up real high Mm -hmm. to get enough spins in. Right. So two, they need to generate enough rotational velocity to spin enough times while in the air. Triple axle jump lengths are often shorter than single and double axle jumps because the jump demands more rotational velocity and sacrifices height to obtain it. So that sounds complex and sciencey so we have a picture that we're going to post to instagram that shows it and also watch i tanya because they explain it with like visuals and it's really good yeah so it's a hard jump and nobody can do it well not only I, 19 people yeah i couldn't even do that on my on my feet <laughs> <laughs> so <fair. laughs> so despite everything that tanya harding is famous for i think that this is the thing that we should really be remembering her for 
The triple axle jump was a huge deal at the time, and it still is. It is the oldest jump, but also the most difficult, and it takes incredible strength and body control for a skater to get enough height and to get into the jump fast enough to complete all the rotations before landing with a strong enough base to absorb the force generated. You say this is the hardest jump, but have they heard of jumping over a hockey stick? (laughs) Because that shit is impossible. That's true. (laughs) According to Harding, you're coming down on one leg in a check position that can stop a rotation that comes down with 420 pounds of pressure on one foot. Also on, like, one blade. Like, not even a foot. You're just like... Ooh, I wonder how many uh, fucked up ankles happen because of this. Probably quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. The video of Harding landing this jump is just wonderful to watch. When she lands, her face breaks into a giant smile, and you can see her throw her hands up in victory. Reflecting back on this moment, Harding, who was 20 at the time, says, I just did it. No one else did it. Nobody helped me land that triple axle right there in that moment. At the time, Harding seemed to possess an unparalleled athleticism that enabled her to land the challenging jump. And she has said that the triple axle tends to intimidate most skaters. Well, I am intimidated by that. I wouldn't try that. Yeah. Are you a skater? I was a skater, boy. (laughs) said, see you later, boy. But after landing this jump, Harding's life changed forever. After 1991, Harding was never able to successfully complete the triple axel in competition. Oh, that was the only time she ever did it? She did it a few more times that year, but then afterwards she just couldn't do it anymore. Are we getting into why, or she just wasn't able to? She just couldn't do it. It's a hard, it's a really fucking hard jump. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so her competitive results began to decline. In the 1992 Winter Olympics, Harding placed fourth. So every time I read that, I'm like, oh, she only placed fourth. Well, I don't say that. I'm like, guys, she placed fourth in the Olympics. That's like fucking awesome. And people are like, eh, she only placed fourth. How dare she? Like fourth in the whole freaking world. Sounds like a loser to me. Right? I know. I was like, why? Why is that like not good enough? But anyways, the media coverage of her is one thing that I'm just like, you guys need to chill. Yeah. Like, this is stupid. You should be proud of her that she got fourth place. Yeah. Proud of her. Proud that she came out of a shitty home life and managed to do something of herself. I'm 29. What the fuck have I done? (laughs) Well, you didn't have a shitty home life. I I was. Yeah, I wasn't even spanked. I can't even. (laughs) I can't even go into that. So I would say that landing fourth is not a negative thing, but apparently it marks a decline in her performance. Mm. Following this, Harding dismissed coach Dodie Teachman and went back to Diane Rollinson. On January 6th, 1994, one day before the U.S. Figure Skating Championship First Lady Single Competition, skater Nancy Kerrigan was attacked in a corridor after the practice session at the Detroit Arena in which the skaters were competing. After traveling 20 hours to Detroit, a hitman waited in the corridor until Nancy Kerrigan walked past. Then he ran up behind her. Using both hands, he swung a 21-inch collapsible baton at her right leg, striking her just above the knee. Kerrigan fell to the floor, screaming in pain, crying, Why? 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 Why me? What? That's Is that actually what she said? Yeah, so, like, the cool thing, but maybe not cool thing about it, is, like, they were, like, recording everything, right? The news was yeah. or whatever. So, like I said at the beginning, like, there was... She was walking in front and, like, a news camera was walking behind her. Yeah. And then it, like, turned off. And when it turned off, that's when the hitman was like, Rah! and he, like, ran out and hit her. Yeah. And so the cameraman's still right there. And he's like, oh, I should maybe record this. So he turned it on. So we have, like, the quote of what so she was yelling. She said, why, why, why me? <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> like, that's such a weird thing to say, like... 
like you immediately feel like self I don't know if pity is the right word, but it's like like why is this happening to me not like oh motherfucker <laughs> or or my prefer preferable like uh you know phrasing which would be con Yep. You know, she should have said that. Yeah, this is a good. I it is an interesting thing to yell. Why me? It was yeah. like so. There's a picture of her from in the news, and she's like holding her knee, and the caption says, "Why me?" She didn't even say like "fuck." Well, maybe she did. I don't know. This is what we have recorded. Why the fuck me? <laughs> and the aftermath of the attack was recorded by a news camera and broadcast around the world. The event became one of the biggest sporting scandals in history, or the whack heard around the world. The w- the whack heard around the world. Yeah. I, I like my version better, but, you know, whatever. The attack was intended to seriously injure Kerrigan so that she could not compete in the Nationals nor the Winter Olympics. However, her leg was not broken, just severely bruised. And while she was unable to compete that day, she did go on to later make the Olympic team uh, for the upcoming event in Norway as her fellow figure skaters offered her a spot to compete anyways. That night, however, Harding won gold and secured a spot on that same Olympic team. And then the uh, hitman at home was watching TV and he said, why? Why? Why her? <laughs> <laughs> so I should I should just like clarify a little bit here too. Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan were rivals at the time. So mm. Kerrigan was like her biggest um, competition. Right. Okay. Yeah. So on January 11th, Tanya was interviewed by the news in Portland and was asked whether someone she knew could have planned the attack. Harding replied, I definitely thought about it. The interview ended with Harding saying, no one controls my life but me. If there's something in there that I don't like, I'm going to change it. Harding also confirmed that she had spoken with FBI agents in Detroit and again in Portland. So it sounds like they already like suspected her. Right. Yeah. Then on January 13th, two men were arrested. Sean Eckert, Tanya's bodyguard, and Shane Stant, the hired hitman. Tanya and her ex-husband, Jeff Galuli, hired separate lawyers who confirmed that the couple were in daily contact and cooperation with law enforcement. And in a press conference on the 16th, her lawyer clarified that she had no involvement in the attack on Kerrigan. On January 18th, Harding submitted to questioning by the DA and FBI and was interviewed for over 10 hours. Her full FBI transcript was released to the press on February the 1st. Here, the Seattle Times reported on the transcript stating that Harding changed her story well into the long interview after mm. hours of denying any involvement in trying to cover up the plot. An FBI agent finally told her that he knew she had lied to him, that he would tell her exactly how she had lied to him. In the transcript's final passage, Harding stated, I hope everyone understands. I'm telling on someone I really care about. I know now Jeff is involved. I'm sorry. Oh. Wait, but she changed her story, though? Yeah, so well into a 10-hour-long interview. So Mm. if you've ever watched the Confession Tapes, it's a documentary series on Netflix. Oh, no. Talking about how police often get false confessions. Right, because, like, there's that whole Making a Murderer series. You haven't watched it, but it's, like, uh, there's a lot of, like, leading questions and stuff like that that they do, like, be like, you were here, right? Yeah. And then... Yeah. Yeah. So like the FBI agent saying, I know you lied to me and I will tell you how you lied to me. I was like, I don't know. That's weird phrasing. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I will tell you how you lied to me. Just wait. Let me tell you how you lied. I lied to you. I'm going to tell you. Just wait. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of sus. I don't trust the police. I don't tr- fuck the police (laughs) as they say. Uh, N W A. Wait. No. Who's the person you don't fuck with? Um, uh, mafia man 
Muffet Man? The Muffets? <laughs> you know the Muffet Man? <laughs> Do you know the Muffet Man? No, is it NDWA another to fuck with? Or is it... No, it's... Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, you know, um, uh, some rappers ain't nothing to fuck with. Come on, it's very famous. Wu-Tang Clan? Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. That's right. <laughs> That's Wu-Tang Clan. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay, good. Right. Wu-Tang ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> Well, we're very white. Yes. <laughs> so anyways, my my whole thing is that I, I mean, I, I'm sure she probably knew some stuff, but I'm yeah. like, I don't know. She's like, it just seems sus to me, this whole thing. Totally sus. Suspect the suspect. Jeff Galuli then surrendered to the FBI and it came out that he had implicated that Tanya allegedly assisted in the attack plot. In another press conference, Harding stated that she was sorry Nancy Kerrigan was attacked, that she respected Nancy, and claimed not to know in advance of the plot to disable her. Harding took responsibility for failing to report things about the assault when I returned home from Nationals on January 10th. Failure to immediately report this information is not a crime, which she is correct. So from that, she's basically saying that when she got back from that competition, she found out that she people she knew were involved, but she didn't tell anybody about it. Hmm. The attack on Kerrigan received a huge amount of publicity and was featured on the covers of Sports Illustrated, Newsweek, and Time, and there was a ton of speculation about Harding's alleged involvement in the assault plot. And, because Kerrigan and Harding were now on the same Olympic team, the media was whipped into a frenzy about whether Tanya had done it. So some people think that she ordered the hit, Mm -hmm. Uh, some people believe that she was the one that swung the baton, Mm. like it just got like real weird. That, that would be weird, I feel like, like... You don't risk your whole career by doing it yourself. No, but as we've seen from the way that media works, people are fucking dumb and they'll believe very true. stuff that they yeah. see that isn't necessarily true. Yeah. And once you kind of like believe that, you don't let it go. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the United States Figure Skating Association was deliberating whether Tanya should be allowed to compete in the Olympics, and they ultimately decided that she was allowed because there was no evidence that contradicted her claims of innocence. So her ex-husband and bodyguard were involved, but she wasn't. Mm. Harding stated that despite her rough edges and mistakes, she had done nothing to violate the standards of excellence in sportsmanship that are expected in an Olympic athlete. On February 1st, Jeff Galuli worked out a plea bargain in exchange for testimony regarding all parties involved in the attack. And in July, he was sentenced to two years in prison after publicly apologizing to Kerrigan. Then Galuli and Eckert pleaded guilty to racketeering, which is the hiring of the hitman. Stant, the guy who did the deed, pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit second-degree assault. He ended up serving 15 months in prison. Days later, Galuli's and Tanya's trash was recovered, revealing notes that stated Kerrigan's practice schedule in Massachusetts, and a handwriting expert confirmed that the notes were written by Harding. So there was now some some thoughts that maybe Tanya had had uh, known about the attack prior, because she was mm-hmm. like, this is where Kerrigan will be practicing. Right. Um, I think in the movie, they kind of play it off as that she's like wanting to write a letter to her. Oh, okay. But. At this point, it was very unclear whether Tanya would be allowed to compete at the Olympics. However, the final decision was made that, yes, she should be allowed. Finally, with multiple media in attendance, Harding and Kerrigan were practicing on the same ice at the Olympic Stadium in Lillehammer, Norway. Approximately 400 members of the press showed up to document this practice, because how terrible would it be if they missed something dramatic between the two women? Yes, of course. Kerrigan chose to wear the same skating costume at this practice session that she had been wearing when Stant attacked her. 
confirming that it was a deliberate choice because, quote, humor is good. It is empowering. Although I don't know why that's, like, funny. Yeah, like, you know, some people are funny and some aren't. Sorry, Kerrigan. <laughs> you, uh, you don't have the chops. On the night of the Olympic competition, Harding abruptly stopped her performance during her first skate due to a broken shoelace. There are a couple of great pictures of her with a skate up on the rink ledge in front of the judges pointing out her lace. Tanya looks devastated and on the verge of tears. She is allowed to take time to recuperate and gets a reskate. However, it proves pointless as she ends the event in eighth place. Which mm. again, eighth place in the whole fucking world is not a bad thing. Nah, she's a loser. <laughs> Nancy Kerrigan gets second place despite being favored to win gold. Tanya Harding has an interesting take on that development. In a New York Times article, she states that at the time, the Olympic Committee seemed set on punishing the United States for its sideshow. She thinks that Kerrigan, who skated a stellar program, probably the best that Nancy Kerrigan had ever skated, even after all that had happened, should have won gold, but she got silver instead. Uh, she gets the sense, uh, Harding gets the sense that the judges were sending a message that the Olympics were no place for an American scandal. Mm. yes and also like figure skating and like that sort of stuff and gymnastics it's very subjective uh skate like at points giving so right they could be like no. well they could give her whatever they want yeah. you know it's yeah they could be shitty to her if they want yeah tanya also believes that had her lace not broken that night nor had she not been so frazzled and beaten down by the news media that she herself would have won and today we would be having very different discussions about her i think that's the real scandal is that nancy kerrigan cut her shoelace <laughs> before the match i don't think that happened that was the whack hurt around the world <laughs> the the cut lace cutting around the world so if you're interested in what tanya is up to today i would highly recommend reading the new york times article it's really awesome it's really nuanced and i've linked it in our show notes Kerrigan herself appeared displeased and annoyed at her second place finish and was later caught on camera complaining about the first place finisher who was causing a delay at the medal ceremony saying, oh, come on. So she's going to get out there and cry again. What's the difference? Oh, this is um, the same lady that was, why me? Yeah, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> she did not know that the camera was recording her at this time. On March 16th, 1994, Tanya Harding eventually pleaded guilty to the charge of conspiracy to hinder the prosecution meaning that she knew who had done the attack, but only afterward, and that she didn't report it immediately. Mm. The prosecution believed that she was much more involved than what the plea bargained encompassed, but they accepted this plea because it included a felony charge. She was sentenced to three years of supervised probation, 500 hours of community service, a $100,000 state fine, Ooh. and was tasked with setting up a $50,000 fund to benefit the Special Olympics, and was also told to reimburse the Multnomah County Prosecutor's Office of $10,000. She was also ordered to undergo a psychiatric examination and to participate in any court-ordered treatment. But the worst of it was that she was forced to surrender her membership to the United States Figure Skating Association for life. Whoa. Meaning that she could never compete again. That sucks. Which, like, her. I know, I was like, that feels really punitive. Because if if we go by what they what she pleaded guilty to that she mm. knew about the tack but afterwards and just yeah. didn't report it yeah like i don't know why the figure skating people are like Rrr. yeah she she thinks that they were out to get her yeah i mean because she was trailer trash yeah seems seems possible mm -hmm. since the trial tanya has held a variety of different careers including a stint on shows like the weakest link 
triple A mm-hmm. professional wrestling shows, and an amateur porn star. What? <laughs> Her and Jeff Galuli sold their sex tape to Penthouse in July 1994. Did, did, and how much did they buy it for? I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> In 2002, she took up boxing, beginning by fighting Paula Jones on the Fox Network Celebrity Boxing Event. Uh, She won that fight and went on to make her official boxing debut in 2003, which was cut short by her asthma. Which also I find really interesting because, like, she's a fucking powerhouse figure skater but then can't box. Interesting. Did she end up on Dancing with the Stars by chance? She did, yep. The Celebrity (laughs) Edition. Or, sorry, the Athletic Division. Of course she did. uh... She got third place. Ooh, good for her, but that's where... Or fourth place. That's where you go to die, essentially. <laughs> Except for who? Chriselle Strauss from uh, Selling Sunset. I guess, but I was more <laughs> thinking Mr. Ralph Macchio, Daniel LaRusso, oh. was on Dancing with the Stars years ago. He was, uh, you know, from Karate Kid, and now Cobra Kai, and he's true. back in the limelight and is a star again. That's true, yeah. Uh, Tanya's boxing record was three wins and three losses. Today, Tanya Harding is happily married. She has changed her name to her husband's last name and has a young son with him. She is still active in skating and practices three times a week. However, she is not allowed to compete or to coach. Oh, so. at least she still skates. Yeah. So, Dakota, what do you think? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, I think that um, the movie definitely went more in on the, re- the relationship between her husband yeah. and her. And- her mm-hmm. which i can see why because that was like i found that a really interesting yeah. aspect um because he was really shitty and stuff like that and also played and he was sebastian stan yeah he was played by the winter soldier which was cool yeah which so... is why i really want to see uh pam and tommy yeah the show. yes the same director and it's got sebastian stan yeah i think it's gonna be great uh so yeah i i think i liked that aspect more of the i think movie not of my episode yeah, yeah, yeah okay. uh, because I, skate again, skating doesn't do a lot for me. Yeah. Um, but it's still, still interesting, you know, I, uh, yeah, I think it was a decent episode. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Uh, I will give this a 7.6 wanks heard around the world. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think, like, obviously there's no way I could do justice to, like, the movie. Like, yeah. I could not do the same treatment. I could have, well, well, but they, it... they, they, But it's a movie. They dr- were like, what's the most dramatic thing about it? Yeah. This this dude being a piece of shit. Well, and her mother being abusive. <laughs> yeah, well. ex- exactly. So, yeah. But here's the question. Do you think that she had more to do with this than she let on? The, the attack? Attack, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Like, it really depends on what article you're reading, because... Yeah. But, but again, but taking all the articles about out of it, your personal opinion. I personally think that, yes, I think she had more to do with it than she's leading, letting on. Yeah, I guess it really depends on, like, how close her relationship with her ex was at the time, and mm-hmm. how bothered she was by Nancy as well. Um, I don't know. I feel like, no, she didn't. No. I feel like, you know, I was a, I was not an Olympic level athlete, but like, you know, I know I have friends who were, and I don't really think that they had the time. And like, they would have been, you know, they don't have time to be like, oh, how am I going to like kill my rival? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You're just like, you're super focused on your training. Like, if this was an anime, they would be focused on that. Yeah. And like, if you watch the interviews, like the actual real time interviews with the bodyguard, 
bodyguard loosely, I say that. Yeah. Um, he is a fucking wingnut. Like, he honestly oh, yeah. thought he was trained by the CIA to be a spy. And he fully believed it. So, like, it was him and Jeff mm-hmm. who did the attack. So, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if she knew. She was training for the Olympics. Yeah. Who's to say? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, listeners? Do you think she did it? Yeah, we're going to put a poll out in the, on the Instagram. So yeah. we'll find out what you think. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, or tell your friends about us, because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact to see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian or on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast. You can also shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to TheReluctantHistorian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Con! <laughs> Freaked out Ollie. Hey everybody, I'm Eric Erickson, host of The Open Highway. You know, I've had some incredible adventures in my life, and along the way I learned a little bit about everything, which, to be honest with you, is just enough to get me into trouble. But I bring that with me when I sit down with guests from the worlds of politics, news, science, current events, entertainment, and more. The Open Highway with Eric Erickson. Join me on The Open Highway, and let's have a conversation. Find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts.